0: Welcome to the Twimmel AI Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Charrington. All right, everyone, I am here in Vancouver at NeurIPS and I am with Kathy Wu. Kathy is the Gilbert W. Winslow Assistant Professor of Civil and Environmental Engineering at MIT. Kathy, welcome to the TwinWell AI Podcast. Thank
1: you so much. Happy to be here.
0: Uh, it, it, it's great to chat with you. Uh, we're going to talk about your upcoming presentation uh, on mixed autonomy traffic and uh, reinforcement learning. Uh, but before we do that, you've recently moved over to the civil engineering department at, at MIT from uh, more of a EECS background. Tell us a little bit about your interests and uh, your journey.
1: Thanks, yeah. Um, So I studied EECS as an undergraduate, master's, student, PhD, and uh, also in my postdoc. And I recently joined Civil, like you you said. During undergrad, actually, at the end of undergrad, I started becoming interested in transportation, uh, in part actually because of self-driving cars. And so I started uh, shifting my work and my thinking and my research studying still uh, robotics-oriented, machine learning-oriented perspectives on the problem, but really incorporating a lot of the domain-specific challenges and problems. And my work has gradually become a really uh, nice integration of both sides.
0: I think coming from RPI, like I think of civil engineering as like building bridges and things like that. And so it's awesome to see that kind of interdisciplinary approaches being brought to bear and thinking about uh, autonomous vehicles at Northwestern, there was a really strong transportation department or, or, um, and planning department and, you know, thinking about how, you know, cities need to be constructed, for example, to accommodate autonomous vehicles. Uh, what's the focus of your particular research?
1: Yeah, transportation is really ripe for disruption, uh, I would say, with, with AI. Um, What I study in particular is how can we understand the potential impact of autonomous vehicles on the rest of the system. Uh, I would say that most of the work done in autonomous vehicles is either studying a single vehicle and how a single vehicle uh, should drive and recognize stop signs and stop signs and um, navigating in its local environment, Uh, or it's about how all vehicles are, are already autonomous and how can we coordinate them so that we can have intersections without stoplights. Uh, but very little is studied and known about that intermediate region regime of partial adoption or different levels of automation. And so that's, that's what we call mixed autonomy. And that's what my talk will be mm-hmm. about.
0: Mm-hmm. Which I think folks are starting to come to a consensus that that's going to be the the rule for quite some time.
1: That's right, right. At <laughs> least at least a few decades.
0: I think you even see this in kind of mainstream media, you know, going back five years, you know, I'd ask people when they thought autonomous vehicles would be here and, you know, they thought they would dominate the streets in five years. That's right. And now, uh, you know, folks are much more guarded. There's a bit more
1: of a sobering uh, perspective on, on autonomous vehicles now. That's right.
0: Yeah. So, So the... Autonomous vehicles interacting with uh, human-driven dro- vehicles is going to be the role, uh, particularly in cities and, and on highways, maybe uh, you know in some controlled environments like airports or something like that. There may be lanes for AVs, but you know we're going to have to figure out how these two interact with each other. And that's what you're focused on.
1: Yeah, that's right. And actually what you're pointing out is, uh, is a really good point. There are a lot a lot of different types of scenarios. There are airports, there are uh, potential changes to the urban environment where there can be dedicated lanes just for uh, vehicles, just for autonomous vehicles. There can be maybe enclosed regions like campuses. Uh, And so one of the really nice parts and challenging parts about this particular research area is that there are just so many different varieties of traffic scenarios and so um, we need advancements in machine learning techniques to sort of to support uh, the vast variety.
0: Mm-hmm. And so your talk is uh, particularly focused on the application of reinforcement learning models to mixed autonomy.
1: That's right. Uh, so what we study is how can reinforcement learning methods today help us gain insights into what could our traffic systems look like if we could control a fraction of vehicles? So a fraction of autonomous vehicles. We wanna characterize uh, at what point of the transition do we see benefits for traffic congestion, for travel times, for energy consumption, for safety and things like that. Do we need 100% or is it 99%? Mm-hmm. That's really different. This is this is very important for potentially uh, uh, city planners, uh, policymakers, and traffic operations engineers Uh, If it's, if that number is, if we see benefits at 5% versus 10% versus 50%. And so that's what we look at with, um, by studying this in a reinforcement learning paradigm.
0: Okay. And are you focused on any particular type of environment, Uh, cities, highways? I remember seeing a, a demo of some research kind of along these lines that looked at like a track like environment. And if you've got some, you know, say 90% of, uh, you know, cars that are modeled as human driven, and then you introduce a few autonomous vehicles, they actually help the with traffic circulation. Yeah. Uh, and so that, you know, the assumption there was a track, like does your, uh, talk focus on a particular, um, a particular scenario?
1: Yeah, so we always have to start with the simplest environment that we, that we can. Uh, so we do look at the track. We look okay. at a variety of different scenarios as well. And we, we call them traffic Lego blocks. Okay. So we'll take the full city network and we'll sort of decompose them into a simple intersection network. Oh, a simple um, sort of multi-lane scenario or a simple uh, merging scenario or a simple um, like traffic bottleneck. And then the idea is that we can study each of these environments uh, where we control a fraction of the vehicles with reinforcement learning. And we can sort of start to gain insights in these smaller environments. And then as we, we're also working on developing uh, methods that can help us scale these experiments to um, networks that have multiple of these components, and then eventually working our way up to to a city. The okay. goal is a city.
0: Got it. Got it. So walk us through your presentation. Uh, what what's the? How do you set up the the scenario?
1: Yeah. Um, so I think a sort of hidden part of reinforcement learning is how much energy and effort goes into designing the task itself, designing the mm-hmm. environment. So. Uh, so reinforcement learning is often formulated in this Markov decision process framework, and so we really go through and we specify each of those components of a Markov decision process. What is the state? What is the action? What is the reward? And so on and so forth. What discount makes sense? What horizon makes sense? Uh, what does what should the network look like? What should how should we model the individual humans? And so we are we jointly study uh, the the entire setup of the of the Markov decision process, the MDP, uh, as well as the choice of algorithm. And so we might consider, uh, for instance, uh, here in this scenario, let's keep, let's keep things simple, let's care, let's uh, let's optimize for, say, the average velocity of all vehicles in the system. In the future, we can study this traded off with uh, energy consumption and st- human stress levels and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. Um, and so what we'll do for uh, a lot of the effort actually goes into designing the state of the MDP. What is What can the autonomous uh, vehicles actually observe about the system? And here uh, we do a variety of trade-offs. Uh, we could give the system, we could give the, the autonomous vehicles full observation of the environment, but this may be less practical for deployment purposes. And so we may want to limit the observations to Say local information around the vehicles, and maybe some aggregate statistics of the system, and all of this needs to be uh, needs to be carefully thought through.
0: Those assumptions are kind of models of an evolving, you know, future real world scenario, right? There are. Um, the automakers are dabbling in like connected car scenarios where the autonomous vehicle will have information about, you know, from the other vehicles on the road. Yeah. Um, Is that, are those some of the things that you're trying to model in?
1: Uh, So it's a really interesting point. Uh, One of the potentials for this work is actually to help uh, automotive or the public sector actually understand what parts of the system actually need to be communicated to the autonomous vehicles mm-hmm. to achieve some outcome? So I think the work there is still quite early stage. It's a very exciting direction.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you uh, kind of establish the the kind of framework of the MDP uh, and what the various levers are and uh and potential outcomes that you're looking to control. Uh, what next in your talk?
1: Ah, oh, that's right. So then we we actually um, to start with we we leverage black box uh, existing reinforcement learning techniques. We use policy gradient methods. We use TRPO. We use PPO, uh, and we just sort of see what happens. And to our surprise, we the outcome was quite remarkable. Uh, what we found is that a very small fraction of vehicles uh, actually can make a significant difference across these different these different uh, traffic scenarios. These inter- across intersections, merges, um, bottlenecks, uh, single multi-lane roads. Mm-hmm. We found that five to ten percent of vehicles is um, is sufficient to eliminate traffic congestion in in our in our preliminary studies as well as to increase uh, average velocities by 50 to 100 percent in the network for all vehicles, not just for the automated vehicles. And then, in addition, we have these sort of emerging behaviors that uh, of, say, uh, coordinated vehicles through through an intersection or through um, through these very these sort of interesting behaviors that actually correspond to, techniques that traffic engineers have spent a long time hand designing to improve traffic systems. So it's very interesting to see the very similar behaviors sort of pop out without without um, the same amount of domain knowledge. Mm-hmm. going. What in. are
0: some examples of those?
1: Yeah, so one example that I really like is called the traffic break. I don't know if you've experienced that in driving, where uh, if you're sometimes on a highway, a highway patrol officer will actually Drive sort of this sinusoidal pattern across yeah, multiple to slow down lanes? Cars? Yeah, so it's one single vehicle that slows down multiple lanes of vehicles. Mm-hmm. And in some of our experiments, that actually popped out. We have an autonomous vehicle sort of stable, sort of uh, sort of bringing uh, multiple lanes of traffic to a to a higher speed so everyone everyone in the system is benefiting and just by one vehicle being automated out of 40 or so uh where that vehicle is slowing everyone down in a way by driving the sinusoidal pattern blocking all the lanes of traffic uh in such a way that uh the the it basically induces the human drivers to not um, not result in traffic jams. Mm-hmm.
0: So it's, so is it that it's slowing the traffic down and then itself speeding up and kind of pulling the, the human drivers along? Or is it more kind of a fundamental, um, you know, by causing the, maybe it's causing the human drivers to stop bad behavior or something like yeah, that? What is it's it that's actually, causing the, the,
1: Interestingly, it's more the latter. Okay. Um, so we in the in our work we we're there's also an intersection of our work with control theory, mm-hmm. and uh, we can actually use tools from control theory to analyze these same systems, and like
0: dampening the something like, like that. Or basically
1: <laughs> can, basically uh, techniques from control theory can allow us to determine the sort of the stable points of the system or the mm-hmm. unstable points of the system, and what the analysis tells us is that. There is an unstable point of the system where traffic uh, flows very well. All vehicles are going at the same speed and it's all nice. However, it's unstable. So in the absence of some external control, the state would not stay that way. And what we're we're seeing is that the reinforcement learning um, outcome is that the autonomous vehicles actually brings the system to that unstable equilibrium. And so it is a more fundamental property where... Mm -hmm. um, the all the result is that all vehicles are going at the same speed. The autonomous vehicle, essentially, in hindsight, we can see the, the outcome of this experiment as the autonomous vehicles figure out what is the right speed that all vehicles need to go at and then basically maintains that speed for all vehicles.
0: And this is in a scenario where the autonomous vehicle has kind of global knowledge or independent of global knowledge?
1: Yeah, actually independent of global knowledge. Huh. So only only local knowledge of just the vehicles next to it. It can actually uh, figure out the right speed for the whole mm-hmm. system.
0: Yeah, you know, I mentioned this, this demo scenario that I've seen before. It may have been your research. It sounds very familiar. Um, it reminds me a little bit of some related perhaps results. I don't recall the the specific reference, but it was something along the lines of an aggressive human driver can actually make traffic flow faster. Have you come across this
1: oh, result before? Um, As
0: a New York City driver in St. Louis, I often feel like I'm doing my civic duty and <laughs> <laughs> driving more aggressively than
1: um, I I am not familiar with this. It's um, our studies show the opposite. Okay, which is that if more drivers, say five to ten percent of drivers, were to be less aggressive, mm-hmm. and in particular to brake less, to accelerate less, just actually to respond a bit less, uh, uh, respond uh, more slowly to. The vehicle in front of you, mm-hmm. then traffic could actually improve for for everyone.
0: Mm-hmm. That's
1: sort of the uh, one of the takeaways from from our early experiments.
0: Meaning, uh, I respond more slowly. You know, the car in front of me brakes, and I slam on the brakes, and that kind of causes a ripple. That, that's right. 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 This is all work that's done in simulation, presumably. Yes. How well do you feel? You're actually able to model human drivers.
1: Yeah, uh, that's a really good question. Um, this is a general limitation for reinforcement learning as we look at more real-world context. Sure. On the other hand, I actually, uh, among a lot of real-world contexts, transportation actually has very good simulators. There are decades of researchers in the transportation modeling community who have studied human models, hmm. human driving models of actually. All sorts of decision-making in transportation. Like how does a human decide which mode of transportation to take or what price point um, they're they are at for, for different subway fares mm-hmm. or whether or not they're going to buy a car? Or in the case of driving, when is it that you're going to hit the brake and how hard based on the distance of you to the vehicle in front of you? All of this has been very, very carefully studied. Of course, there's more work to be done. There's always more work to be sure. done. Uh, but in terms of uh, the the in terms of the quality of simulation, the simulators that we use, um, these types of simulators are actually used to design actual transportation systems and actual...
0: Okay. We've talked about the results uh, for the track. Have you gone as far as modeling some of these other scenarios as well, like the intersections and yes. merges? Yeah, and so we
1: have results for all of those. Can you share some of those? Yeah, so the outcomes in terms of the improvements are... Pretty consistent, five to ten percent of automated vehicles leads to fifty to one hundred percent improvement in average velocity in in those scenarios, and we get sort of different types of emergent behaviors. Mm-hmm.
0: So the emergent behavior on a track is this, you know, police car slowdown right. type of thing. What is it at an intersection?
1: Yeah, what's really interesting at an intersection is um, basically coordinating vehicles. Uh, to not conflict at an intersection. Mm-hmm. So, uh, may, like you may have seen a video of uh, a system where all vehicles are automated and there's no need for traffic lights mm-hmm. at an intersection. And so, a few years back, I was interested in, well, what if one vehicle is not automated, one, mm-hmm. one human vehicle? Then do we ha- do we not have any benefit of autonomous vehicles when anywhere we have intersections, which is most places? Mm-hmm. Um, and what we actually found is that uh, with enough autonomous vehicles, actually with very few autonomous vehicles, uh, the the autonomous vehicles can actually coordinate so that uh, at an intersection, it can sort of hold back human drivers from reaching the intersection while um, the other direction of the intersection passes through, Mm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So what we're calling this um, mixed autonomy platooning, where most of the time platooning is a very desirable autonomous vehicle Um, uh, uh, behavior where vehicles can sort of platoon together, sort of uh, reduce air drag and be a lot more efficient in driving together. And all of the vehicles in that platoon are autonomous. And what we're finding here is this sort of emergent... Um, mixed autonomy platoon, where only the lead vehicle is automated, but we get this benefit where you have a platoon of vehicles that pass through an intersection in one direction, and then you have a platoon of vehicles that pass through the intersection in the other direction, and neither platoon needed to stop at the intersection, which leads to uh, pretty dramatic improvements in uh, in average velocity.
0: Mm. And it sounds like you're uh, at least assuming, but maybe you've validated that... Uh this is, or probably have validated that this is linear with the number of uh, autonomous vehicles, meaning you know, if 5% offers uh, some benefit and that benefit continues with the number of autonomous vehicles and it's not somehow that you know, more autonomous vehicles leads to a more chaotic situation?
1: So surprisingly, you would think we have done that study, but um, <laughs> <laughs> what we actually found is that um, in, in many of these cases, we, would, we basically work with small scenarios with, say, 20 total vehicles or 40 total vehicles. And then what we do is we, we swap out one for an automated one. So we okay. can not swap out fewer than that. We'd have to change the scenario to have a smaller fraction. And in almost all the scenarios that we studied, swapping out one vehicle was actually enough to achieve a very good outcome. Mm-hmm. So there was no need to actually explore more. Mm-hmm. uh like more fraction. the
0: assumption is that it doesn't get worse it doesn't with, get, that is the
1: assumption right, that's right, right 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 that's right
0: do you think at all about the you know what it's like for that single human driver surrounded by autonomous vehicles
1: oh i see that single human maybe that single human would get the message to buy, <laughs> to use an <laughs> autonomous vehicle at that point um, I actually get a lot of questions about the opposite scenario where if there were so few autonomous vehicles, then uh, like different people respond to, like, I wouldn't want to be in that autonomous vehicle that's sort of swerving left and right, uh, right in in traffic or I wouldn't want to be behind that autonomous vehicle. So that right that i right. I hear from time to time. And I think an interesting way to think about that is, uh, if we start to think about these vehicles not as passenger vehicles but as almost like part of the infrastructure
0: control vehicles in a sense control
1: vehicles Right. like think of them as traffic lights but they're but instead of these binary signals they're actually moving traffic lights mm. that can set a speed mm-hmm. and so we're we're starting to see some some projects that are thinking about using these ideas in more near term transportation projects as well mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. and there's uh, i did an interview with Diana Howard who uh, I believe out of Georgia Tech, uh, who studies kind of the relationships between humans and, and robotic systems, and there seems to be a predisposed willingness to defer to you know robotic systems. Uh, so maybe you know the humans that are behind that you know control car would be totally fine with it. You know, it's, it
1: could be <laughs>
0: it's an autonomous vehicle that says slow down, so that's what I'll do.
1: There are also concerns about. Sort of taking advantage of autonomous vehicles, especially as current currently autonomous vehicles are designed as sort of very very um, very passive and very safe, mm-hmm. and so uh, there have been evidence and videos of human drivers sort of cutting off an autonomous vehicle at an intersection. Mm. And so it may actually take the autonomous vehicle longer to get to its destination. Is this like the
0: kids beating up the mall security (laughs) robot? Exactly.
1: (laughs) Except they're adults.
0: (laughs) Right. Interesting. Interesting. The the results that you've described where a small number of autonomous vehicles leads to uh, these advances in kind of traffic flow. Your primary metric there is kind of throughput of the system or velocity. Are there That's other right. metrics that you've explored?
1: We have not explored other metrics explicitly, although there are a lot that we're interested in, such as fairness. Sometimes mm-hmm. different lanes are, uh, are, have different throughputs, and that may not be fair. So we may be interested in some fairness uh, metrics. We're also interested in safety metrics, and uh, energy consumption, mm-hmm. and several others. There are many, many.
0: The robotic car here, the autonomous vehicle, is modeled as a reinforcement learning agent. That's right. Are there any interesting observations that you've made about the training process itself and the, the learning process, kind of before or until we get to the interesting emergent behaviors?
1: We have seen other emergent behaviors that are. Less good for the system, such as tailgating. We've mm-hmm. also learned tailgating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so there are a number of examples where we do learn some some behaviors that we can sort of describe that everyone can relate to mm-hmm. that are not quite what we're looking for.
0: The presentation is the the main result that you're presenting the these kind of emergent behaviors that you've described, or are there are you digging into more details about kind of how you've created the agents or Uh, What other things should we make sure to touch on in the conversation?
1: Yeah, so the the highlight of the talk is really the empirical um, results that that we found uh, as well as the the experimental um, process to get to it uh, as part of this because of the vast variety of traffic scenarios, including the ones that we've discussed today. Uh, We built an open source framework called Flow, uh, which allows us, as well as any other researchers, to design their own traffic uh, scenario, their own traffic Lego block, their own traffic uh, MDP, uh, and do their own experiments.
0: What is the kind of Flow user experience like? Is it a a kind of visual graphic type of thing, or is it... uh uh, you know, you more you're kind of setting parameters uh, and then running a kind of a command line
1: thing? Yeah, it's more it's more the latter. It's more okay. for developers and for, uh, for researchers at this point. Uh, and so you can specify a network, you can specify the numbers, the different types of vehicles, human or autonomous or different types of human drivers, Um, and you can specify the different fractions of these vehicles. You can specify the number of lanes in the network, Mm -hmm. uh, in different parts of the network, and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And it's also an actively developed uh, tool right now.
0: Okay. Uh, And so you mentioned that your research kind of relies on these established traffic simulation engines. Does this, this flow also depend on those yes, or yes
1: so flow integrates with a few traffic uh, simulators uh, one of which is called SUMO the okay. simulator simulation of urban mobility okay uh, and it's an it's also an open source uh, traffic micro simulation and then we also integrate with uh, another commercial uh, simulator called AIMSun.
0: AIM Sun, okay. Okay. Yeah.
1: So these are these are all. Uh, so traffic microsimulators are the specific subset of uh, simulators that are really about simulating vehicle dynamics, rather than say vehicle routing, or uh, okay. or land use. Okay.
0: Yeah. And so uh, anyone can download Flow and download uh, SUMO, uh, for example, and kind of replicate your. The some of the results that you presented.
1: That's right. Everything's open source. Awesome. A strong believer in open source.
0: Awesome. And so, do you? uh, Can you use these like inside of notebooks, or uh, what's the like typical kind of user experience?
1: Uh, I think you could use it inside networks. We typically don't uh, Mm -hmm. because we're we're typically issuing jobs to uh, to some cluster uh, for the large scale reinforcement learning uh, runs. Got it. Um, but I think you probably.
0: Could. How long do your runs typically take?
1: Uh, they range, actually, uh, in the scale in the in terms of reinforcement learning ex- uh, experiments, we're very, very low, um, <laughs> low, like low samples needed. Mm-hmm. So our experiments actually can run on a on a standard commodity uh, AWS instance in between like one and nine hours. Mm-hmm. With GPU. We don't need GPU. Don't
0: need GPU. Okay.
1: Yeah. So we are not, we, we basically focus on the state input directly and we are not doing too much vision.
0: Any kind of parting thoughts or other things that uh, you want to mention from your presentation?
1: Uh, Yeah. So I think, I think we talk a lot about automation and AI and how it's increasing in the world. Uh, I think another dimension of this that I think is really important is how much connectivity is actually increasing in the world. Uh, we are we're all more and more the the people and the systems that we interact with are more and more connected mm-hmm. uh, through social media, through say through urban networks, through s- global supply chains. The world is sort of more and more connected, and so a lot of what motivates this research is. The realization that um, that it's it's not enough to study a single autonomous vehicle in its own local environment. We have to study the environment that it affects, which is say the whole city. Mm-hmm. And it's I think because of the connectivity, increased connectivity in the world, it's becoming harder and harder to study AI uh, in its own isolated environment and the broadened scope of the impacts of AI. Uh, means that we actually need new techniques that can handle much larger, much more complex systems. And that's a lot of what's motivating the next phase of my research.
0: Mm-hmm. And so what are some of the specific directions that you're heading in in the next phase? Is it kind of taking these Lego blocks and connecting them to one another? And
1: It is trying to do that. Um, current, with current methods, we can't just immediately do that. So we do need to look at uh, different techniques to enable this. Uh, I'm very excited about directions in representation learning uh, for large-scale networked dynamical systems, very interested in how can curriculum learning play a role in all this? How can we uh, increase the efficiency of our simulators through the use of machine learning? Can -hmm. we compress simulators? Um, There are a lot of interesting directions to sort of uh, allow us to work with Uh, more and more complex environments.
0: Yeah. So what you've done thus far is you've used reinforcement learning to identify some emergent behaviors that have utility in mixed autonomy scenarios. Do you see this as, you know, now that we've identified these Mm -hmm. behaviors, we can kind of, you know, program the cars some kind of way, uh, you know, independent of, of how we do that to exhibit these behaviors or do you see the cars more, you know, do we need to allow the cars to learn things, uh, while they're kind of in real time use? Like what's, how do you see this playing out in, I guess maybe is it, you know, is it a planning scenario that you're really focused on or you see the impact or is it more about the, the vehicles themselves?
1: I think it's both. That's okay. a really good question uh, and a really good point. I think it's both. I there are with real world problems there, are a number of reasons that either direction could not work out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think both are very possible. We could in the in the near term, actually see instrumented vehicles uh, reducing traffic congestion and increasing speeds. I can I can see that. Mm-hmm. It's the technology is is there. Uh, we may need to do a few more experiments, we need, may need to validate, but it's, it's pretty close to near-term deployable. Whether there's a city that wants to do it or whatnot, mm-hmm. that's a different story. Uh, from the planning perspective, I think that that is a very very large potential direction. Can we help a city sort of map out its uh, 20-year uh, adoption plan for autonomous vehicles, its mm-hmm. incentivization plan? When and where does the, should the system incentivize the, autonomy, the, the adoption to get to a point where we can see these benefits? How should, uh, how should the regulation and rules of the, of the game be laid out? So I think from the planning side, I'm very interested in, uh, in those questions. And I think a lot of the computational and machine learning and large-scale um, large techniques are very, very critical in the planning context.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, Kathy, thanks so much for taking some time to share with us what you're up to.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. All right, everyone, that's our show for today. To learn more about today's guest or the topics mentioned in this interview, visit TwimmelAI.com. Of course, if you like what you hear on the podcast, please subscribe, rate and review the show on your favorite podcatcher. Thanks so much for listening and catch you next time.